This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? This week, we're discussing The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your exorcist host, Javi. And we are talking about the 2021 movie, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. We actually did in the early, this is, we're going back to the early days of the show now. (laughs) Because we've done, last week we did Dark Knight, which was like the sequel to Batman Begins, which is one of the early episodes. And now we're jumping back into The Conjuring, which like we did the original Conjuring way, way early in the run of the show. And no one asked for it, but this is how we announced that we're going to do a Conjuring retrospective, which means we'll do all the Annabelle movies as well as La Llorona. I, what? <laughs> no, we will not. <laughs> Says you. This is a show by the people. They'll tell us what they want. That is true. If you if you tell us that you want it, then we'll put a coin in us and we'll dance. I swear to Christ, though, we better get money out of that because if I have to go watch the Annabelle movies, I will hunt down whoever suggested. Yeah, I've never them. watched any of the Annabelle movies, so spoiler I'm... alert for the future Annabelle three review we do. I fucking hated it. <laughs> All right, stupid. So behind the scenes, this past week, I think you and I did a lot of debate over. Well, there was we we initially decided that we wanted to do Spiral from the Book of Saw, which is another like brand new continuation of a horror franchise that's had a relatively negative buzz around it. <laughs> and uh, I think because it was just easier to watch The Conjuring Three, it's kind of the reason why we ended up selecting that one. So not to say we're not going to do Spiral in a later show, but. Um, it's like pick your poison. What shitty horror movie did you want to watch this week? And we settle on this one. Yeah, we let um, the algorithm gods choose. I'm not gonna lie. I was pretty excited when I first heard the announcement of this, mainly because we we talked about this when we did the original Conjuring movie. The Conjuring movies, yes, they are inspired by actual cases that happened that Ed and Lorraine were linked to. But this movie takes a ton of artistic liberty with the actual historical <laughs> events that occur. To say these movies are based on a true story is to say that Batman is based on a true story because a man and a bat existed around the same vicinity. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it would be like if we said Batman was a true story and then we said Elon Musk is Batman in real life. I'm not not saying that but if anyone from the mercury news or san francisco chronicle wants to run with that i'm taking credit right now it's hard anytime that you do a movie based on an actual case and i think every single time we kind of delve into this true crime territory 
we always warn you that there are other podcasts that do it way better than we do. In fact, I think this story in particular, my favorite podcast that uh, did a episode on it, it's probably the best like way that you can kind of ingest this entire information. Um, it's this podcast hosted by Ashley Flowers called Super Supernatural. And it's just like they pick supernatural events every week. Ooh, that sounds um, cool. And one of the episodes was on this case. And I, I actually was seeking it out when I heard that this movie had come out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like after, shortly after the first trailer or something like that. And I'm very glad I did because all I know about this case is that it's highly controversial. Um, the Warrens are highly controversial. In in this series, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga and the James Wan and all the collective brain trust behind this movie, they do a fantastic job of making you love these characters. And I think in all the movies in this franchise, I love Ed and Lorraine Warren, the characters, the fictionalized <laughs> characters as played by these two actors yeah. because they have such a good, like, chemistry right Mm -hmm. like no no kidding they just have such a fantastic chemistry and And it's um, not just like this movie because i think insidious is also where they're a a couple right no patrick wilson is in that um but his wife was played by my goodness uh rose byrne she's in star wars the prequels and x-men first class you'll you you know her if you see her um but no, it, it, Patrick Wilson just happened to be associated with both of these franchises. So. Oh, okay. Oops. Yeah. Well, they should have replaced Rose Byrne with Fair for me. <laughs> Just kidding. I love Rose Byrne. She's great. Um, okay. So this, so the first movie, I think we talked about the, can't remember exactly what the uh, case was that the first one was based on. Well, one of them was the doll, right? Annabelle, which is like a, a doll. A, in real life, it's a Raggedy Ann doll that was inside the, the Warren's occult museum <laughs> that they have in their home. And um, there's no real evidence of any of the stuff that took place with that Annabelle doll. It's more... Oh. That one is like one of those stories where it's like Ed and Lorraine have kind of been telling it. And, uh, you know there's no crime associated with it so no actual investigation has been done into the validity of the haunting of that doll Mm -hmm. but that said um the way that they played that into that original conjuring movie i think the opening of the conjuring one is is one of my favorite horror movie openings ever it's just scary you go into it thinking that you're watching something that's very real because it's the first movie in the franchise right you didn't know that they were going to bullshit you so much about about you know how Ed and Lorraine are involved with these things. There is a lot of good faith to be had as far as the Warrens go, <laughs> and um, it's just a fantastic opening. I think it's per- it's it's just one of those really perfect creepy uh, openings to a horror movie, and the kind of seventies style of how they shoot that movie is good. And then, even though we haven't done it yet on this show. You know, you and I have both watched The Conjuring 2, which mm-hmm. uh, takes its inspiration from kind of the events of Amityville. It kicks off with Amityville, and then it like spends most of its time dealing with the, uh, uh, what is that thing called? The Enfield 
the yeah, infield, infield haunting. haunting. And um, if you want to listen to a great series about the infield haunting, I highly recommend the last podcast on the left. (laughs) (laughs) I I also do. And I've also heard the last podcast on the left uh, do that. Another podcast that's fantastic that did that case as well was Generation Y. Yeah. Um, um, Gen Y is is when you want something a little bit more serious. (laughs) If you want dick jokes along with your true crime, last podcast on the left. <laughs> All right. This, this is, I don't want to turn this into a podcast review podcast, but. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what I'm learning about the podcast community is that like 70% of your fan base or your listenership are just other podcasts that want shout outs. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, it, it's cool. I, I, it, we, we really mention these things again to, to remind people that there are other forms, there are other podcasts that do a lot more research into these things than we're going to do while we're talking about this movie. By the way, so I have the family name. It wasn't like an actual case case, but the Perone family was the inspiration for Conjuring 1. Right. The Perone family was, was like a Northeast Coast or New England family. Yeah, they were from Rhode Island, and the main haunting in that was Bathsheba the Witch. Right. And then, yeah, and then you already mentioned the Enfield haunting. What they both did, you know, with the original Conjuring, with the addition of the Annabelle doll, which kind of spun off into his own franchise in its own right, um, they add a memorable second villain that's not canon to the actual crime uh, or the actual haunting and it's almost like what's as memorable or more memorable than what they're talking about right because in the second one we also had the nun the valak nun Mm -hmm. which has nothing to do with the actual infield haunting it's a creation for the movie but it was so good and the scenes with that nun are so frightening that it's like it created its own spin-off movie <laughs> and this I... has slowly become like a marvel universe kind of thing where these other side characters have their own films now which honestly i completely forgot about mm-hmm. and i thought that was a fever dream <laughs> that turns out it is actually real and it's a movie we can watch and i don't want to but <laughs> It is crazy how like I just want to read them off real quick. There's a Conjuring, Conjuring two, uh, well Conjuring 2013, Conjuring two 2016, Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It 2021, Annabelle 2014, Annabelle Creation 2017, which is the prequel of Annabelle. <laughs> Annabelle Comes Home 2019, and then other there is the Nun. Back in 2018, La Curse of La Llorona in 2019, and then there are a couple shorts called The Nurse and Blends Out Lullaby. Mm. So altogether, there is eight movies in the, not including the shorts, eight movies in the uh, Conjuring Universe franchise. And to be honest, they went two for two, like because that second Conjuring movie was really good. I thought they stuff that they did with the Enfield Haunting was good. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of, I, I think both of us are pretty skeptical when it comes to like the validity of supernatural events. I'm open to the experience if it ever happens, but you know, I'm weird. There's... I'm a, uh, I'm a skeptic that wants it to be true. 
Like, I want it to be real, and I want proof that it's real. Like, I'm sure stuff exists that we just don't know about, but at the same time, it's like, there's so many practical answers for some of these things. And something like the infield haunting, while it is played off as something that's unbelievable, and it's a case that has so much, like, record amounts of evidence uh, by it, you know, you see the actual pictures, and you hear the actual recordings, and you're like, yeah, it's not very likely that something supernatural is actually happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, a lot of the details of the of, of what's uh, outlined in the Enfield haunting, of what's been widely reported as well, uh, they were it was used in the Conjuring two. Now, where the Conjuring movie universe very much, you know, <laughs> diverts away from reality. It's that Ed and Lorraine Warren are not this, you know, altruistic uh, heroes, <laughs> you know, exorcist heroes who appear to, you know, save family, like bring families back together. And once something has been, you know, it's so weird. It's like they're they're played off kind of like superhero detectives in this. They that's I think someone I heard one of the podcasts called them like catholic superheroes like and it's that's so true like the way they they're presented in the movie and the way they've been like established as far as like the zeitgeist goes is that they're these altruistic heroic like dynamic duo that like punch satan in the balls and they're constantly exercising people left or right but I mean, the reality is not nearly as close, you know? Well, the other thing, too, is there's also, like, scenes where, like, you get so caught up in Ed and Lorraine, like, the characters as mm-hmm. played by the actors that they're played by, that it's very easy to, if you didn't understand the details of these actual events, that you think that they are, like, these innocent do-gooders. When... You know, in real life, I think <laughs> I think it's more likely that Ed and Lorraine are kind of opportunistic people who, you know, it, it was They're it was it less, for a quick buck. Yeah, it was less them coming in to save families than it was. Oh, we just heard about this thing that happened, and then they were kind of the. They're kind of the ones that go in there and insert themselves in events <laughs> where nobody really wants them there. <laughs> like, we don't want to, obviously, we don't want to talk too much shit, but kind of the, the fact of the matter is that the Warrens definitely benefited from a lot of people's suffering and a lot mm-hmm. of people's hardships. And they, like Angel said, they do insert themselves into a lot of these cases so that that way they can actually get the book rights. <laughs> Because that's where the real money was for them, was making fictionalized versions of these accounts that are going on. Um, You know, it's safe to say these films aren't meant to be historical, accurate accounts uh, and, you know, definite proof of the demonic and the supernatural in the world. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the Conjuring films, much like the stories that the Warrens themselves put out, are just for entertainment. Uh, you know whether you know the the important part is that us as people that consume the media that read the books that retell these stories just take anything that someone says when the based on a true story banners on right there on the on the poster making sure we take everything with a grain of salt right all right so before we get into the actual plot of this movie i do want to get into some of the details of what of 
the Arnie Cheyenne Johnson case, which is the case that this is based on. And nice. this case has largely been nicknamed the devil made me do it case, right? Because... So lay it, lay it on me because I am a virgin to this entire story. Okay. So this story really starts with um, the, the little brother of Arnie's girlfriend. So her, mm-hmm. his girlfriend's name is uh, Debbie Glassell as, and they had the same names in this movie, obviously. So Debbie Glassell's uh, younger brother. So David is an eight-year-old boy. They are moving into a rental property, right? Uh, Arnie is a landscaper and she's a dog groomer. Gotcha, <laughs> and both gotcha. of them like, uh, you know, live in this apartment. And that can hold you over in small town America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they move into, uh, you know, they become tenants of a man named Alan Bono. I guess Alan is one of those guys to where uh, <laughs> they have like a hard time kind of like they get along about as well as possible. But mm-hmm. he's one of those. You ever heard the, the phrase habitual line steppers? <laughs> like from the Chappelle show, I would very much. At least in all accounts of this event, Alan Bono is a habitual line stepper. So the actual case of, of what happens here is when they're first moving into this apartment building or this like apartment, whatever, like spot that they're mm-hmm. moving into, uh, much like in the movie, uh, there was a waterbed that was left over from previous tenants. And for some reason, after David has laid down in the waterbed, um, he, he i don't know if he like sees something like you know as as is recalled in the movie but something happens after the events of you know of, of david laying in that waterbed to mm-hmm. where soon he becomes you know possessed the thing with with the quote-unquote possession here is this kid also is i think at some point diagnosed with some sort of learning disability Mm, and you could be led to believe that you know some of what happens is a result of you know maybe him acting out because of any difficulties that he's having right Mm -hmm. now what makes this case different from all the other cases that are covered by ed and lorraine warren in the conjuring uh where they are more like hangers on that show up in the end Mm mm-hmm in this case, Ed and Lorraine Warren are actually like these guys want them there. <laughs> and that is like where it derivates a little bit. So the actual murder itself, the lead up to it is uh, you know, they somehow um the Warrens and the local priests that they are working with, they don't get approved to have rites of exorcism performed. And the reason why it's not approved is because of the, you know, the discovery of the disability and, you know, the fact that it's like, you know, if, if the quote, if the church says, you know, that that's what most likely is the cause of that, or we don't see enough evidence to warrant having a uh, exorcism, then they're not going to do it. So it's not even a legit exorcism. It's more of like, they're kind of performing like they're kind of like praying over them and it's just like these like nights after nights after nights of just like it's like the long prayers right it's like the backroom abortion equivalent of an exorcism (laughs) it really is i mean they do have a priest involved that's that's doing stuff 
but it's not a sanctioned exorcism. I'd like to believe it's one of those priests that's hard drinking, and he's just like takes a (laughs) swig from a flask before he reads from the Bible. Uh, so the the all these rites of exorcism, or I'm just going to continue calling that. Mm-hmm. It gets it gets progress. It makes David progressively worse. So <laughs> as it tends to go in these cases, well, it's just it's it's just it, nothing is getting better, right? Yeah. And then one night, it kind of leads up to a kind of like in the beginning of this movie. It 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 leads into a standoff, but the Warrens are not present in this event, but they are mm-hmm. for the sake of this movie, where. Um, where Arnie looks at David and, and just yells at the demon and says, take me, leave my little buddy alone. So the fact that he called him little buddy, like mm-hmm. that's, that's actual, like, you know, that, that, that's how it's been officially recorded. Oh, okay. You know, he so doesn't want, real. yeah. Like he doesn't, he, he really just says, take me instead and, you know, leave my little buddy alone. In this case is from 81. Mm-hmm. So it's a decade after the exorcist, you know, okay. it's always important to kind of note these things because, you know, people who say they need an exorcism and claim to be possessed, a lot of them will kind of use the events of the exorcism as like, oh, yeah, well, it's like what happened in this movie. That's what happened to me, too. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just like th- I always like to remind people <laughs> of no, the time a, period that you're that's in. A, that's a really good point, because that's something I hadn't even thought of until you mentioned it. Like, this is about. 10 years after the exorcist well and you and i have watched the exorcist for this podcast and the ending of the exorcist is legitimately the priest yelling at the demon to jump into his own body so Mm -hmm. you know arnie does this and apparently like it's it finally clears this demon out you know and and the family feels like uh, david's finally clean and he's not dealing with anything anymore and then, you know, I, I don't know if it's a priest or Ed and Lorraine themselves are the ones that warn Debbie and Arnie that what they've done is the worst thing that, you know, they could have possibly done, mm-hmm. you know, because they didn't get rid of the demon. Instead, they just they just pass it on to someone else. I, I remember it being said at some point that there was several demons that, that were inhabiting uh, David's body, according to the family and the Warrens and the priests that they were dealing with. Mm. Um, so that's the possession part of it. The actual okay. murder of Alan Bono. Arnie wasn't feeling good for a while and mm. he's getting progressively worse. Uh, one day he actually does call in sick from his landscaping company as happens in this movie. Alan makes lunch plans with Arnie and Debbie and Debbie's sister and an eight-year-old cousin named Mary. Mm -hmm. And I think David is there too, but it's just like, they're kind of like this big family, right? Where like Arnie's family and Debbie's family, they're all kind of like together all the time, right? Like he's together with Debbie's family all the time. Yeah, it sounds like one of those like high school sweetheart situations. It really does. Like both families know each other. Yeah, it really does. And that's kind of how they're presented in this movie, too. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're played by these really kind of like meek, you know, nice little actors that look like kids barely out of high school. <laughs> I know, like, I guess I guess Vera Farmiga said they look like beautiful and delicious, and I don't know what she meant by that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of scared. Is she a cannibal? <laughs> but okay, apparently what happens this evening or this afternoon 
Arnie and Alan, between the two of them, drink somewhere near the neighborhood of 20 glasses of wine. That sounds like (laughs) me on a Wednesday. (laughs) So these guys are drunk. The drunker that Alan gets, the more aggressive that Alan gets. Yeah, we don't know anyone like this. <laughs> He's not a co-host on this podcast. <laughs> so, so after they end up back at, you know, the apartment, um, Alan asks Arnie to help him fix his radio while Debbie takes her sister and her niece to get pizza. And they kind of do it quickly as possible because apparently... Debbie has the feeling that something could go wrong at any moment. Mm. Boy, would she right. Yeah. They, they end up getting back to the house and it looks like Arnie and Alan are actually going to end up beating the shit out of each other, right? Um, so, so at some point, Alan grabs the nine-year-old, the, the nine-year-old girl, Mary, mm. little cousin, and that's where Arnie like starts getting very aggressive with him, telling him to keep her hands off of her. And Alan's not listening, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's when Arnie pulls out a pocket knife and ends up stabbing him several times. Uh, five of the wounds, which were fatal. Mm, God damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Arnie is he's not found wandering the streets as he is in this movie. <laughs> Uh, he is arrested for this uh, for this murder. Uh, they go into court and they try, with the help of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are involved in this case, they try to help Arnie mm-hmm. and and the defense. You know, submit the plea right to where he would have pled not guilty by reason mm-hmm. of demonic possession. And that's, ah. So that's the plea that they tried to put into the court, which the judge rejects and tells them, yeah, we're not going to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, there's just no way. And, and this is one of those things where like, you think the Warrens could be dangerous because they're, you know, th- there was an actual murder that occurred here first. Mm-hmm. Um, the details of it can be a little hazy because a lot of it that you're hearing is from Arnie Johnson and Debbie Glatzel and Debbie's family. There's not like a mm-hmm. there's not like a Alan Bono side to this. So we're pretty much mm-hmm. led, you know, to believe that what they say is kind of like the truth or the only truth in this case, um, which, you know, it, it's uh, people could remember themselves being a lot more innocent than they are. Oh, yeah. And especially if you have a family that kind of backs up your claims or you know maybe within the fog of the the violence everyone seems to forget and has like a group think scenario come on mm-hmm. like yeah it makes sense lad you know it makes sense that arnie johnson you know walked away with the manslaughter as opposed to uh well so what happens is when they when their plea gets rejected uh mm-hmm. the the you know their attempted plea of demonic possession <laughs> They actually end up putting uh, in. They actually end up pleading innocent by reason of self-defense, which okay. is actually what happens. Uh, Arnie Johnson is found guilty of first-degree manslaughter instead of murder. He's uh, he's sent to jail for I think ten to fifteen years. Only ends up serving five because he was a very well-behaved person. God damn. Um, 
yeah and, and it's one of those things where um it it's one of those things where they claim that you know intervention and like they, they claim that the intervention of catholic catholicism and the exorcisms and all that kind of stuff are what gets rid of this demon mm-hmm. arnie legitimately he goes to jail he gets out of jail never kills anyone again mm-hmm. lives with debbie they actually got married while he was in prison and they're still together to this day so Aww, good for them i think <laughs> <laughs> So, At least there's a happy ending to this manslaughter case. Well, the thing too is like, it's one of those things where there's not a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. At least not a lot to warrant a two-hour movie. And it's oh one of the God, reasons why. Away. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm going to say right now, before we really get started talking about the plot of this movie, that I think that this is the weakest entry in the conjuring franchise in the like you know the big conjuring series not the spin-offs and all that other stuff mm-hmm. but i mean out of the three conjuring movies it's the weakest one because it doesn't really have a lot to say it's a very cut and dry case mm-hmm. um they add way too much other shit in here that's not in here and it really feels like a movie that's kind of rushed. And I wouldn't be surprised if the pandemic had something to do with why this movie feels so weird. Yeah, it definitely lacks a certain feel that the rest of the movies have. That's for goddamn sure. Mm-hmm. Ed and Lorraine's daughter is not in this. <laughs> you know, like they actually had a daughter in the first two movies and she's like nowhere to be found here. I she's guess the, I think. I don't know. I don't think so. Oh wait! I, I think there, or maybe it's just their way of saying that she's probably in college by now because it's like a decade after Conjuring Two, or like you know, like seven years later. Like their daughter is much older than she was in the first two movies. Yeah, she ain't no little baby girl no more. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just weird. It, it like it feels like it feels like characters are missing, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the weird part about this. <laughs> but all right, so this movie actually starts with the exorcism of David Glatzel. Um, but in this movie's version of it, Ed and Lorraine are present. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's like, it kind of put, it brings you in the middle, right? And the father that they're with, I think is the father, I think Father Gordon, the guy who's in here, I think he was in the other movies as well. Or at least in Conjuring um, 2. I think it's Father, oh no, wait. No, I think you're right. I think it is Father Gordon. Yeah, I think I think that father is in the last movie. And it's just kind of like he's a recurring character in this as well. Um, so <laughs> in this, the beginning of this movie, the exorcism of David Glatzel is treated like a full-on exorcism. And they are CGIing the shit out of his face. And they're doing like these special effects to where his body is like bending outward. Like all of his bones are bending outwards. And it's just For all intents and purposes, they should be broken. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's way too much. It's way too much already. And from the very beginning of this movie, I'm like, I can smell the bullshit too early. (laughs) i think that's what the problem is because the thing is too like even in the beginning of conjuring 2 you're dealing with the amityville 
house, right? Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is with that with the Amityville thing, they're already in there after the Lutz family, which were the family that said the house was haunted. Mm-hmm. After the Lutz family has left, and they're actually having Lorraine experience the Ronnie DeFeo murder. Mm-hmm. And that's like, so it's like, that's interesting enough. And yes, you can add the supernatural thing of the nun in there and stuff like that. But because you know the movie isn't going to be about this and it doesn't go too far, <laughs> you can deal with it because it's just like Lorraine's spirit world is the only place where she can see this nun and no one else can see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's just, this is, this is just too much. Everyone is just seeing this kid like bend in all these different directions. He's like morphing into the Hulk in front, <laughs> in front of all of our eyes. He's just throwing everyone aside. Like it's ridiculous. I mean, much like in real life, Arnie does tell the demon to go into him instead. Mm-hmm. But you know, David did not fly off the table and <laughs> and give Ed Warren a heart punch <laughs> that nearly <laughs> takes his life. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me an eight-year-old demonic child didn't just diddle fucking Ed Warren's heart until he almost died? That's, I'm calling bullshit on you, sir. Not You know what it is? Every other movie in this franchise is a slow burn leading up to the big supernatural like climax, right? And instead of us having any sort of slow burn to leading up to like David's uh, exorcism, it's just over the top from the beginning. And it sucks because it, you remember in 2013, one of the big things about the conjuring that made it so terrifying was the use of practical effects. And that was like one of the big like selling points as to why that film was so good and why it was so terrifying for a lot of people none of that is here like you said it's overproduced it's over cgi'd it's just to the point where it's parody of itself you know the where it starts kind of bothers me too because it's like normally in another conjuring movie this would be the ending of the movie or at least like the midway point right like we would deal with the early points of watching uh arnie and debbie and david like all of them get acquainted with this place and watch like the slow possession of david and then have that be like more of an important plot point in all of this. If you mm-hmm. want to lean on the supernatural aspect, right? Because there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens there. Even mm-hmm. like the idea of knowing that that David had like some sort of like this learning disability and that that like just the, the, how difficult it was for them to get even clearance for as much as they did mm-hmm. in this case. Like that kind of stuff is interesting. And the weird thing is like, it's not like, it's not like The Conjuring hasn't tackled the possibility of these being hoaxes in the past. They did it in Conjuring 2. Exactly. It was a main plot. It was a main plot point of the Enfield haunting. <laughs> it's, it's the reason why they leave the Enfield haunting. <laughs> it's because well, the demon like autumn like just sets it up so that it looks like it's bullshit. And now, mind you, for our audience, we're talking about in reference to the movie, not in real life. Yeah. In real life, we don't know what happened. <laughs> no but it's like that's the thing it's it we're just starting at such an awkward point that just doesn't make any sense to start here so right off the right off the bat pacing is going to be a huge issue in this film yes 
and then it like goes into well this is like one of the scariest cases they've ever done and then we get the and then we get like the you know like the first conjuring movie like does the scrolling credits like if you're watching end credits mm-hmm. um but it just doesn't it feels like they're trying to do something and you're just not buying it anymore what they should have done was they should have got the guy the movie announcer voice dude that did the texas chainsaw <laughs> massacre remake like trailer Mm-hmm. And have him read off that initial scroll, and maybe I'd be creeped out. Anything. It, it would even be creepier if it's just someone narrating mm-hmm. what happened before. You know, like the beginning of Conjuring 2 was really creepy because they like slowly showed you the iconic like two windows from the Amityville house. Yeah. Like in, in the attic. And then it, like that kicks off such a like creepy like feeling that you right away like I remember in the being in the theater going, oh shit, this is about to be fucking scary. They're about to do scary shit in the Amityville house. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm about to duke myself. I know it. <laughs> and they did. And they did. And you I know? did. I did duke myself. <laughs> Whereas like here, it's yes, it's just the, the beginning is just really awkward. Um, it, it, the movie then shifts to like Ed being in the hospital and like Lorraine like ta- telling him when he wakes up that the demon has entered Arnie's body. And then both of them are worried now that Arnie's going to do something. So they call the police and then the like the alan bono murder occurs yeah and arnie is found like walking the street like all bloody and that's how he gets like caught by the police and it's just there's too much like nonsense here it's really bizarre like they try to establish kind of like the relationship between um who was it uh between debbie and arnie and they try to have they try to have spooky stuff happen um but i think what what it feels like is this movie's depositing or is operating on the on the chance or it's operating on the idea that we either a already know what's going to happen so it's just trying to kind of speed along to that point or b just wants to speed along to that point and fuck whatever you care about. And the other thing too is okay. What what else are these movies in this franchise known for? Really good jump scares. Mm-hmm. The jump scares in this aren't even good. You get the the scene of the you know the cereal rolling off like the counter in the kitchen and you're watching it roll, and it's just like. And then next thing you know, you're looking inside this dark hole that appears like in the wall for absolutely no reason and nothing happens. And then he turns around and sees this like, quote unquote, witch character mm-hmm. that like, it just doesn't, it, A, it just doesn't feel real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and B, it's just the jump scares don't even feel good anymore. Like it feels lazy. It feels like there's no setup. Mm-hmm. to them and i think this is one of the th- so here's the thing that i did read about this film is that um because it's a different director and i think it was michael chavez who i believe was the director for la llorona the curse of la llorona and he's done like a couple short like short films a bunch of other stuff um so pretty much my understanding is that he didn't want the conjuring to just become a haunted house series 
So they wanted to move away from the, they want to move away from like one central location and all the action takes place in this house. So instead the focus became on the character of Arnie Johnson. They wanted to tie all the supernatural action to him. Yes, it's different. It's new to this series. And, uh, you know, he tried something new, but the problem is when every other film has already been established over a haunted object or a haunted location, like you have the location to play around with it fails spectacularly yeah the warrens are less of people that show up to clean something they're just too much the main characters in this they're like because yeah. if, if this if this is true that this like uh director wants to make this the arnie johnson story they fail at that too like they Arnie Johnson and Debbie feel like side characters and it feels like Ed and Lorraine are the main characters now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that kind of just like makes this feel off like immediately. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I thought was a jump scare that they <laughs> that they probably thought was cool and I thought was kind of interesting but it just doesn't work is the um the jump scare with the radio, right? Where Alan Bono and like and Arnie are like there, except Arnie is not drunk in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just, he's just uh, possessed and delirious, and that's and that's why when the music shuts off and you see the window and stuff like that, it's like it's kind of creepy, but it's just mm-hmm. not interesting enough. Yeah, nothing. I think that's the big thing in this film. It's going to be the common theme is that there's nothing that's going to really be interesting. Like <laughs> this series gave me what I think is one of the most fucking frightening like jump scares i've ever seen in my life like to this day and that's like Bathsheba on top of the dresser from that first movie like there's nothing that good in here mm-hmm. there's nothing even close to that good in here the Enfield gave us the nun which even though you expected it the entire time it's just done with so much suspense uh, that scene the scene in ed's office with like the nun painting yes is awesome it's excellent it is fantastic it is very well done you get the creepy tall man later on in the film like it gives you these iconic moments and characters that you're like this is very conjuring this is what i'm here for and there's just not enough of that here not at all there's just not there's not any of it here (laughs) no we get a human supervillain, if anything and that's Um, when i texted you about how this is pretty much you know (laughs) the exorcist (laughs) three Yeah. <laughs> to, to very much piss you off because i was so mad we watched this well it's the exorcist 3 in that like it's more like exorcist 2 <laughs> it's just it's just like it, it's trying to do the same tricks as that first one mm-hmm. but it also feels like it's in this bizarre sci-fi universe now and okay so this one now i guess the warrens do some digging and they find out that like they find out that um, that what's happened here is that apparently there's been a curse that's been put on Arnie by mm-hmm. some bizarre cult out there called the Disciples of the Ram, and it's like a <laughs> it's like a ram like skull, like a baby ram skull. I don't know. That is like a thing that's found in their home, and that's apparently it's like one of the cursed items that's causing like all this other stuff to happen none of this is real 
Um, This movie deposits that there is a secret order, like satanic society who is at odds with the Warren (laughs) and they are acting like it's like, it's a, uh, like, it's just an everyday thing. Meanwhile, I'm like, what in the actual fuck is going on? Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Cause then there's like that weird, like guy with the plaid shirt who like, they go into his basement and look at his stuff. Oh, are you talking about the retired priest? Father, father Kastner. Yeah, he feels like the anti-Warrens or like Bizarro World Warrens because he just keeps a bunch of cursed shit in his house also. <laughs> so, like, like, I guess he's supposed to be the dark side of the Warrens where the Warrens have each other and the power of love. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. If it wasn't for Patrick Wilson's sick guitar solos, you know, the Warrens would have been murdered three movies ago. <laughs> but pretty much the idea with Kastner is that he's supposed to be the flip side, like a broken man because he devoted his life to trying to fight the occult and lost. Yes. Like the big thing here that really pisses me off about the, the disciples of the Ram cult, like I'm fine. You want to include a cult? You want to include some bad guys? Like, you know what? It worked it, it's what made it's it's what expand like do adding those little layers expanded the paranormal activity movies and made it a lot more interesting mm-hmm. that by the time the marked ones came about it gave our characters someone to actually fight um but then it's like in this movie i have no idea who the ram cult is and the only way i can know about it is if i went and watched annabelle and i'm not watching annabelle god damn it I mean, we probably will end up watching Annabelle, I'm sure, at some point. Don't say that. Don't speak into existence. (laughs) But yeah, it's just, again, it's way too much bullshit. And then it's just, this movie's too busy. Because then it's jumping back to the Glad Souls. Like, you know, it's jumping back to Arnie Johnson. It's jumping back to him in jail and him getting jail exorcisms. Like... (laughs) It just doesn't. The test in jail, where and then we find out the demons can literally do whatever they want because apparently he can read the Bible and, and he, which proves he's not possessed anymore. You know what this is, and I'm not kidding when I said Exorcist Two. Like legit, this feels like Exorcist Two because remember, like you know, remember when you watched Exorcist Two and you were just blown away by like <laughs> how the original house from the exorcist just gets completely zapped from existence yep <laughs> in like some wild like special effects like bonanza at the end <laughs> where it's very clearly not the actual street that they were in in DC in the original movie but like this crazy set where like three or four people on this fake Washington DC set are watching this house like just explode and like and then somehow like the ending of the movie is like it like ends on this happy note but it's like reagan and this priest that are going off to like cure kids like all in the world yeah and that that is what this feels like it's just way too like off the goddamn rails like arnie johnson was a convicted he was a convicted killer you know oh shit I completely forgot the weird subplot in Exorcist 2 where they get like where where they get hypnotized yeah. so that they can find where the demon is. This is the hypnotism movie. Yeah, it is. That's what I'm saying. It was You're like right. it's, it's a movie that like 
that purports to be in the same universe as the good ones, <laughs> but it just does this other wild stuff. Like, how about the other one? Okay. So this, what about the witch in this movie? Is the witch real or is the witch not real? She's probably not real. If the, I take the fact that we guess. don't know, the fact that we don't know, do you know if she's real or not? Nope. Yeah, not because sure. anyway. she literally dies at the end of this movie, and police show up at their house. Oh, the, the that's the other fun thing. This is the <laughs> first Conjuring movie I can think of that has on-screen deaths. <laughs> you did you notice that? Like between Father Kastner getting murdered and then the witch dying because the demon was like you're mine now <laughs> uh, yeah jump in the shark so yeah. there's too much jump in the shark here you know like the, the other two movies don't stray i mean they stray far away from the source material but no one dies in the movie that didn't die in real life you i just want to say sorry this, this is kind of unrelated but i want to go back to the whole court thing real quick Yes. You are very lucky that we didn't have more scenes in the courthouse because I would have busted out my southern my southern small town lawyer voices. I kind of wish that this movie was more courtroom drama. Y- yes! I thought that's where this was going, honestly. <laughs> I, did too. I did too. Like, I legitimately thought that, that most of this movie was going to be... Was, okay, if this movie's going to start in the middle, mm-hmm. then a lot of this movie is going to be about the actual trial of Arnie Johnson. And it looks like we're going to be traveling back in time, like throughout this, like based on the testimony. And that's when we're going to like discover what happened with the exorcism. And we're going to get all that stuff like in that part of the movie. And then you get even Lorraine's cool little like spirit world vision quests where she disappears and she and she can recreate the where the demonic, you know, possession took place and where the demon originated from and how they can consecrate shit you know there's things they could have played with in that sense and they don't no because you know why they didn't want it to be a haunted house movie (laughs) yeah and then they just start doing this other bullshit nonsense to where like debbie's just able to show up at the prison at any time (laughs) to check on david like yeah he's handcuffed to a bed so it's like you know this convicted murderer (laughs) it's By the way, I love that his bed is just like a giant like cement block. <laughs> it just it, it looks like a World War II like like battle hospital <laughs> where like, like where like soldiers who were shot in war like are all like gonna be handcuffed there. I cut off everything that needed to get cut off because it might be infected. So if you survive, good job. The Warrens are also progressively more criminal in this as well because on top of trying to claim that demonic possession is a reason why a murder occurred they also break into some like morgue in the middle of the night (laughs) yeah i forgot about that (laughs) they break into a morgue to they try to find the corpse of uh who was it was it one of the girls that went missing katie lincoln was that yeah yeah Again, this is all like movie stuff and none of it has to do with the actual case. I was about to say, so what was the the weird subplot there was just that the same thing happened, right? One of the girls got possessed and then she killed the other girl, right? So they're yes. checking so they're checking the corpse at the morgue and that's what gives us maybe what is the, trying to be the Valak scene from <laughs> Conjuring 2 mm-hmm. where we get the fat Zombie corpse. 
where we get that scene where as you know Lorraine is in the middle of her spell like Ed has to try and fight off this corpse which after he's able to pull Lorraine out of her uh Lorraine out of her uh vision he, the corpse just falls like and like smacks its head on the on the on one of like the cards or something like that it was so bizarre it felt weird because i thought that was gonna be like oh cool finally a scare and it just nothing about it was even close to scary i don't know why man it's just eh. it, it feels like they were just throwing ideas at the wall and trying to see what could stick and what they thought was scary but there's like no build-up there's no suspense there's like nothing like it goes back to what you're saying how all these jump scares are just lazy and pointless at a certain point and then after that i'm trying to think where you know if there's any anything worth it oh i guess the i guess the vision quest the vision scene at the, the vision uh, quest like you call it a vision quest i gotta stop because <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's offensive <laughs> but there's like the vision scene where um where ed and lorraine are out in the forest where when they go with the police officer mm-hmm. because they they convince him to uh for some reason <laughs> cops are very open to like you know the you using the paranormal as an explanation <laughs> feels like an episode of psych it is <laughs> it is oh my god like the fact that lorraine has to like prove to the officer which knife was the one used in a murder case and then like you know you get the scene where all the cops are like taking bets on the side and one of them gives him money <laughs> yes it's so- it's like I mean, they're right. It's not a haunted house movie. It's just yeah. I have no idea what the fuck it is. <laughs> That's the it's problem about psychics now. Yeah, it's just like I, the, what, what Ed and Lorraine Warren are like literally going to be working with police officers now. That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> they're paranormal detectives. Now. Yeah, clearly it's going to be more of like a weeknight CBS like drama. It <laughs> really does that. Have- that's what it feels like it feels like a really long pilot for like a monster of the week kind of episode it does yeah absolutely and then it's funny because it's like the this this story and the arnie johnson story are just they feel like two completely different like it feels like they both could have been different episodes of the same series yeah like this was the (laughs) (laughs) two-parter yeah it just doesn't work and, oh that's, my and, God. and there's not really much more to it and than this like no. this this is pretty much the movie because it's by the weird. by the end of this you find out that this priest like I, in his basement where he has that weird like occult you know his own weird occult museum he also has like a, a french catacomb dungeon <laughs> under his house it's where, so that the demons get confused where his like demon daughter <laughs> is like performing all sorts of black magic <laughs> and, yeah but he didn't know and gives like performs mind control on ed warren causing him to chase Lorraine around a la Jack Torrance from The Shining. (laughs) And meanwhile, this is all happening. Arnie is floating in the middle of the sick ward in the hospital, in the prison. And all the windows in this prison are like exploding and everyone around them is literally watching supernatural shit happen. And literally everyone's trying to stop him from killing himself. (laughs) 
Like that's that's the big plot. That that is the big stakes in this film is them trying to stop him from like committing suicide. And I'm just like well, and, and everyone, including the guards, are instead of being like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> everyone goes running towards him and he just starts smacking everyone around. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so bizarre like i guess they try to explain it because the demon needs a soul so if they prevent arnie from killing himself the demon can't claim him um so ed and lorraine are, are or ed is which which by the way ed spends about a quarter of the film in a in a uh wheelchair or like using a cane or something yeah it's very but, dark knight rises of him but suddenly <laughs> i know he pretty much turns into supernatural professor x for like a quarter of the movie <laughs> and then all but all of a sudden he's well enough to start swinging a sledgehammer around, <laughs> trying to murder the shit out of lorraine magic man <laughs> you know what that is actually the explanation. It's that the demon is making him do it. Yeah, fucking magic, man. We didn't even talk about the scene where they find the totem in the in the house, and he almost murders Lorraine. <laughs> <laughs> like I know it's supposed to be a. Uh... You know what it is too. The other thing that we never watched is we never watched Annabelle comes home. Did you? I did. Okay. Does Annabelle was... comes home like does it fill in any any like any story from here that I feel like I'm missing? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> this all <right>. has <laughs> nothing to do. Annabelle <laughs> comes home is literally the the plot to Annabelle comes home is literally the Warrens go out on a date night and the babysitter invites her friend over as they take care of little like the the little Warren girl. Mm-hmm. And then the the babysitter's friend goes into the occult uh, museum. Yeah, into the occult museum. Oh, I kind of like that. That sounds cool. It's great if it's a fucking like Disney Channel like teen horror it, comedy. You know what? It totally does feel like something that like a late nineties Disney Channel original movie would do. And then, yeah, so that's the plot of that movie. And, of course, the rest of the movie is them trying to fix everything before the words <laughs> show up. Or else he's gonna, they're going to ground everyone forever. <laughs> but, no, you if you, if you missed Annabelle Comes Home, you're not missing anything. In this oh, okay, so this, so this movie just fucking sucks for no reason, then. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> All right, great. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, I guess I guess to wrap it up, Lorraine ends up breaking the demon's possession on Ed by retelling the story of when they first fell in love, and that's what I'm saying—the power of love. You know what? A thing that a thing that works really well in that first movie, where she's telling the mom in the like the Perone mom. Oh, remember that beach day that you guys had? Like she actually sees the the photograph of them spending time together. The lady describes to Lorraine like what that day was and why that mo- memory is so special to them. And then it's being used as like a way to snap her out of her possession in the movie, and that's good. Like that in that movie, that's awesome. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it's such a like sweet moment to go back to. In this, it's it's kind of cute, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I guess, but it just doesn't do enough. And all right, here's the young actors that are playing young Ed and Lorraine. 
and it just it feels so <laughs> hollow they're all yeah. of a sudden gazebos are important to their relationship you're trying way too hard now <laughs> it's just way too hard now it's just like they're already likable enough you don't have to make them even smaltier for no reason now i'm all of a sudden i'm just like okay we get it they were from the as a guy it. they're the perfect supernatural fighting couple yeah, you know what? You, the bitter single guy, that's what he needs to see is the supernatural <laughs> fighting couple. <laughs> that's what I, yeah, that's what makes me feel better. So anyway, Ed ends up snapping out of it long enough to break the altar, which I don't understand why they didn't do that from the beginning. If that was, why didn't they just go down there and break the altar from the get? Because well, that... Ed was under mind control, duh. <laughs> yeah, but Lorraine couldn't have thought of that. No. <laughs> shut up <laughs> shut up you're thinking you can't think i told you you're not paid to think. <laughs> oh man so they end up uh after that so what ends up happening is that that's what we were talking about earlier where the demon kills the witch who is did she ever get a name <laughs> i think they just call her the either the witch or the occultist they don't give her an actual name no the name oh god she does have a name it's uh geez it's called oh isla 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 kastner but no fuck that as far as i'm i just call her the shitty witch the shit witch was the real good witch what was the real good evil witch pretty much god so she ends up getting murdered by the demon because the demon needed to collect its price they, because they uh, mess up the ritual. Arnie gets saved. So they they save him from killing himself just in time for him to do five years in prison. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we get the crawl that you were talking about where they say that Debbie and, uh, De- Debbie and Arnie got married while he was in jail and that they're together to this day. And then Ed and Lorraine, and the movie ends with Ed and Lorraine, uh, Ed surprising Lorraine with a reconstructed gazebo that they went and hung out under on the first date because it was raining as mm-hmm. a symbol of his eternal love for her. I mean, gazebos are cute. I got married in front of a gazebo. But, I know, I was there. But, you know, I'm not going to go out you're of not, my way to build one. You're not- <laughs> You're not going to buy your wife a gazebo. <laughs> uh, no, to me, I just kept thinking now that we've been talking about the power of love so much on this on this show that like I just like have the movie end because it is in 80s. The movie does take place in the 80s. Just have it end with like Arnie like going back to his jail cell while the power of love <laughs> plays and he just throws his fist in the air <laughs> while he's walking to his jail cell. And it's the power of love <laughs> beat up by the prison guard. <laughs> it's just it wouldn't be any worse than like what this movie's already doing. <laughs> and, and you know what's really interesting? Because I don't know the, the 80s, for those that don't know, uh Angel and I being into scoop spooky shit know that the the 80s is the time of the satanic panic Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to remember when exactly it was in full full like fledged like satanic panic it was early 80s early 80s is like when you know there were all these stories out about you know how everybody was becoming progressively more satanic (laughs) 
like the stuff on TV, yeah. what your kids were doing, what they were reading, what they were so, learning in school. So to me, it's still bizarre that with how open they were to accepting the satanic panic, they refused to accept the fact that demonic or what's it called? Uh, innocent by way of possession was a possible like... <laughs> a possible like defense strategy don't get me wrong i'm really happy that the u.s court system decided not to accept that and allow that to be admissible (laughs) as a defense in court (laughs) but i mean uh, yeah let's get into final thoughts i'm kind of fucking done all right all right uh clearly i don't do we even have to do the ending of the show where we ask each other if we like this movie no i think it's pretty obvious as we've (laughs) talked about it that we kind of hate this movie like this movie hits new year's evil depths of bad (laughs) which is weird like it is so bizarre to see a movie hit these depths so quickly and it's not even funny like i remember us when we talked about exorcist 2 like we were talking about how dumb it was, but I remember us even thinking about how funny like the dumb shit was. <laughs> this is not even really funny. It's just dumb, dumb. <laughs> I can't. I'm gonna tell you how dumb this is. I cannot, for the life of me, remember any of the jump scares. <laughs> I remember two. I only remember two of them. And mind you, in our Conjuring one episode, we spent five minutes dissecting that first Bathsheba jump scare. Yes, we <laughs> because we, was... we broke down every single jump scare that was in that. And here we don't. We I can't even remember. So that just goes to show you that this movie, like you said, this movie's trying to do a bunch of different things, but it does it all mediocrely, and none of it sticks. If this movie had tried to be just a courtroom drama. I think may and then like we were mentioning where maybe the Warrens uncover how the possession took place and then try to do it that way. It might've been more interesting if they tried to focus more on the actual, like uh, what's the kid's name? David. David David, Glatzel. Yeah. If they focus Mm -hmm. more on the Glatzel family and flesh them out as characters, Mm -hmm. maybe I would care. But I mean, because the, at the end of the day, the families in the other two movies, like you actually spend time with them and you actually start to care about them. Yeah, all the girls in the original movie and like that family is very lovable. You mm-hmm. get the beach story. You get all like you get to see what they're like on a regular basis in their home life, and it feels like you know like you're in with the regular family. Even the quote-unquote broken family from the second movie, where you know we don't they don't have a father that's there with them. Like you get all the love that their mother gives to them. You get you get an idea of how close the relationship with the siblings are, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's just you don't even get that here. No, not at all. We're just kind of like we're thrown into everything. Everything feels rushed. Like David Glatzel, like kinda... who was the kid who they performed the Exorcist on in the beginning of the movie isn't even in the movie after a while and you no. for completely forget about him no and you know what the crazy part is so that kid is actually a really good actor he's been in a couple of uh he's been in a couple movies i think he was in a i think he was in another uh conjuring movie but he was also in uh the haunting of hill house he played like uh one of the main characters as a child so you got to see a lot of kind of how the how how that family went through trauma and all the hauntings and shit so it's like 
this kid's actually kind of a like a horror powerhouse at a very young age, <laughs> and I think they should have let him do more, but they just chose not to, and it's like, well, fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, you know, anyway, it, it, it's not even so. Are they going to take the ram's head to the occult museum? No, they just take some random cup that was on the altar. <laughs> That's the uh, item that ends up there next to Annabelle in the Valak painting. <laughs> oh, my God. One day, all three of those demons will work together <laughs> to finally get rid of the war. <laughs> No, I really just want to watch Annabelle Comes Home now because I legit just like the idea of an Ed and Lorraine date night. (laughs) The fact that like the idea of them having a date night and then just like their babysitter and daughter having to fight off all the monsters from the occult museum just sounds like so much fun. (laughs) It does sound like a fun movie until you watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, I wish I could write Annabelle Comes Home now. (laughs) Oh God, we gotta somehow get a hold of james wan i'd probably write it more like home alone (laughs) just have buckets of water filled with holy water like (laughs) over the uh over the doors as they walk through the bunch of like root goldberg like traps like (laughs) being set for demons oh my god dude damn we should watch it though actually You're like, I'm mad at what this could have been. And now <laughs> I'm mad at all the things I could have had. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. This movie made me appreciate Exorcist Part 3 a lot more. <laughs> this movie made me appreciate New Year's Evil a lot more. Well, that's saying something. We hated New Year's. <laughs> we forgot what New Year's Evil was about halfway through the review. <laughs> That is not too dissimilar from this. I literally watched it twice and I can't even remember jump scares from it. What's funny is I even told you I was going to watch it twice. I was going to get the hate watch out of the way and then focus on it. And I couldn't, <laughs> e- I couldn't even turn it on the second time. I was like, fuck this. <laughs> what did I watch instead? I think I watched Day of the Beast. Nice. Oh, which reminds me. I'm going to put this one on the tail end of this episode. But fun fact, y'all. If you guys got Shudder, or if you got something to watch, you can watch the first movie that ever made me shit my pants as a child. It's a horror comedy called Day of the Beast about a priest that's trying to stop the birth of the Antichrist in Madrid back in 1998. Uh-huh. It is a goofy movie. It, it definitely has like some laughs, but it also has some really cool like practical effects. Um that that those were the ones that scared the shit out of me but yeah <laughs> if you want to check it out it's a nice fun horror movie you'll have more fun watching that than fucking conjuring three that's for sure <laughs> all right so we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode um we're gonna go we might go away for two weeks i don't think javi's gonna continue this but i'm definitely going on a hiatus i'm going on vacation and this will be the first vacation that i've legitimately had in a couple of years so I'm very much looking forward to fucking off for a few weeks. And I too look forward to you fucking off for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, in the, after the two weeks are up, we will be back and we will be putting out fresh new episodes and hopefully the next movie we do is less awful <laughs> than this. Is Annabelle 3? <laughs> Annabelle comes home. <laughs> you know, or maybe when I do come back, we should just do all the Annabelle movies. 
I would. Oh, I'm going. Oh, that's what we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna do. When I come back for when I come back for vacation, and I've had like two weeks to decompress and like disconnect from the entire world, we're gonna do the Annabelle movies. I'm gonna Arnie Johnson your ass. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, please continue to interact with us on social media and leave us uh, reviews and ratings on our different podcast applications that you can. And uh, we look forward to coming back and talking to you guys again. Yes. Thank you for, and yeah, thanks for being, for those of you that were been around for those hundred episodes. Can't wait for, to see what comes next. So. Yeah, I'm definitely grateful for like all the kudos that we've gotten on the hundredth episode. <laughs> it definitely made us feel important. <laughs> oh yeah. It turned, we, me and Angel were literally like, Oh, that's cool. We made a hundred episodes and we just posted something and literally a bunch of y'all, like especially our close friends, like just gave us so much love. So we really appreciate y'all. Yeah. I felt all the love. It's the power. Of- <laughs> <laughs> that's right. it. That's the end. <laughs> all right. That's it. We'll talk to you guys next time. Later y'all. <laughs>